The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbank.com newsroom. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, July 23rd. In today's news, President Trump threatens Iran. Maria Butina received financial support for her front group from a Russian billionaire. And the president wants to make his trade war a central part of the midterms, against the advice of his aides. But first, the big idea. The Carter-Page-FISA warrants underscore the difficulty of disproving presidential falsehoods. The truth gets lost in the tweets. If you repeat a falsehood enough times, many people will believe it. Especially if you have 53 million Twitter followers, the bully pulpit of the presidency, and media outlets that often uncritically repeat your false claims. It's now been 503 days since President Trump falsely claimed that he had just found out Barack Obama personally ordered his wires tapped in Trump Tower before the 2016 election. Trump tweeted at the time, quote, This is McCarthyism. This is Nixon Watergate. This astonishing accusation caught White House aides off guard, who scrambled on a Saturday last spring to figure out what he was talking about. They discovered that right-wing pundit Mark Levine had made the claim without evidence on his radio show. Breitbart, then at the zenith of its influence, highlighted Levine's comments. Someone then placed a printout of their article in Trump's reading pile. And presto, a conspiracy theory from the fever swamps was injected into the national conversation. Trump was loath to admit he was wrong, and he's now spent the past 16 months determined to prove he was correct after all. The president has repeatedly asserted he's been vindicated when he is not. He tried it again this weekend. The Justice Department on Saturday released a previously classified application to wiretap former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page, who was under suspicion by the FBI of being engaged in clandestine intelligence activities on behalf of Russia. The government included redacted copies of the initial warrant application from October 2016 and then three 90-day extensions of the warrant that were approved by judges under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. In a string of four Sunday tweets, Trump made several demonstrably false assertions about what's actually in these documents. He also continued to hammer on the same theme Monday morning. In fact, contrary to what Trump says, the warrants show the judges were told that the source of the so-called dossier, Christopher Steele, had political motivations. The footnote disclosing Steele's possible bias takes up more than a full page in the applications, so there's literally no way the FISA court would have missed it. It's also clear that the FBI was basing its requests on much more than what the former British spy who was working for a law firm tied to Hillary Clinton told them. Moreover, Paul was no longer associated with the Trump campaign by the time the FISA warrant was approved, so it was not actually surveillance of the Trump campaign. The memo from earlier this year by House Republican Intelligence Chairman Devin Nunes had claimed that a Yahoo News article was used in the warrant to corroborate the dossier, even though Steele had been the source for the article. In fact, the article was cited in another section to note Page's denial of cooperation with the Russian government, not his corroboration. Senator Marco Rubio, the Republican from Florida and a member of the intelligence community, said on CBS's Face the Nation Sunday that the government behaved appropriately. I don't think they did anything wrong. I think they went to the court. They got the judges to approve it. They put, laid out all the information, and there was a lot of reasons unrelated to the dossier for why they wanted to look at Carter Page. Appearing Sunday on CNN, 
Page denied that he's ever been an agent of a foreign power. He called the application to surveil him a complete joke. Here's some of his back and forth with Jake Tapper. Any Russian government official at any time in 2016 talked to you about either lifting the sanctions or compromising material that they claim to have on Hillary Clinton. I mean, when I was there in July of 2016, you know, people, a few people might have uh, brought it up in passing. But, you know, again, it's a major uh, economic issue. And so, you know, there may have been a loose conversation. So you did discuss the sanctions with individuals in Russia. Did, Did you ever hear from a Russian, not from the media, from a Russian, anything about compromising material about Hillary Clinton? Never. We also learned this weekend the identity of the four federal judges who separately approved the surveillance requests on Page. Each time they concluded that the government had shown probable cause that Page was acting as an agent of the Russian government. All of the judges were appointed by Republican presidents, including a George H.W. Bush appointee, two George W. Bush appointees, and one Ronald Reagan appointee. All four of the judges were put on the FISA court by Republican-appointed Chief Justice John Roberts. Trump tweeted Sunday that these judges who signed off on the warrants should be, quote, looked at. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani warned Trump against pursuing hostile policies against Tehran. Rouhani said that a conflict between the two countries would be, quote, the mother of all wars. Trump responded Sunday night with an all caps tweet. He wrote, quote, never ever threaten the United States again, or you will suffer consequences the likes of which few throughout history have ever suffered before. We are no longer a country that will stand for your demented words of violence and death. Be cautious. Meanwhile, in California at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo compared Iran's leaders to the mafia. He stopped short of calling for regime change, but he announced that the U.S. plans to step up government-funded broadcasts in Farsi that are intended to foment unrest against the government inside Iran. All of this back and forth comes just three weeks before the first round of banking sanctions that were suspended under the Iran nuclear agreement are reimposed. It's interesting that when Vladimir Putin threatened to lob nukes at Mar-a-Lago earlier this year, Trump publicly said nothing. Number two, Maria Butina, the Russian national indicted on charges of acting as a covert Russian agent, received financial support from a Russian billionaire while she was undercover in the U.S. Butina told the Senate Intelligence Committee in April that Konstantin Nikolaev provided funding for a gun rights group that she led. Authorities say it was a front. Nikolaev has investments in U.S. energy and technology companies. His son, who's studying in the U.S., volunteered on the 2016 Trump campaign. A spokesman for Nikolaev confirmed that he was in contact with Butina during that time, but declined to confirm that he gave her financial support. Prosecutors cited the interactions between Butina and Nikolaev to argue that she should not be allowed out of jail while awaiting trial, because the wealthy men that she knows could be in a position to shelter her if she flees the U.S. We're also learning that Butina met with senior officials at the U.S. Federal Reserve and Treasury Department back in 2015 which suggests that her network of D.C. contexts was more expansive than previously known. Those meetings involved Stanley Fisher, the Fed vice chairman at the time, and Nathan Sheets, the then Treasury Undersecretary for International Affairs. Number three, Trump is determined to make trade a central part of the midterm discussion, even though 
Many senior aides in the White House are skeptical it's a good issue, especially in battleground Midwestern states. Two senior White House officials tell us that they received more complaints from Republican incumbents and candidates about trade and the president's tariffs than anything else, especially as the trade war has begun to raise the price of corn, soybeans, bourbon, and other essentials. House Republicans have gotten used to a common pattern. Trump sparks controversies around issues like trade, immigration, and foreign policy that throw many of the most vulnerable House incumbents for a loop and keep them off message. While members in safely Republican districts are free to always side with Trump, those serving in more moderate swing districts have repeatedly had to decide between courting Trump supporters and confronting the friction his actions have prompted in their districts. Trade is the best example. Their fallback is often silence. But none of this has dampened Trump's desire to make himself a centerpiece in the campaign. He plans to be in Illinois and Iowa this week to talk about the economy and visit a steel mill. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, July 23rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.